0: We'll be in Luke chapter 10 this morning and 1 Corinthians 3 because, you know, they're so close together. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 2. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road when you enter a house first say peace to this house if anyone who promotes peace is there your peace will rest upon them if not it will return to you stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages do not move around from house to house when you enter a town and you are welcome to eat what is offered to you heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of god has come near to you but when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. And skip down to verse 16. Whoever listens to you listens to me, but whoever rejects me... Uh, Uh, Rejects you, rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like a light from heaven, lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And then turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 starting at verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for your word, and Lord, I pray that you would help us as we apply it this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to say, and when it's time to be quiet, I pray that you let me be quiet. I pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I, I want to kind of take this theme uh, that we that we were in last week uh, that uh, the harvest is is uh, 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 ready. The, the harvest is is full. The workers are few. Pray uh, to God to send workers to the harvest. Uh, and, and two observations from that is that God is the one who provides the harvest because it is His harvest, uh, and so He's looking for workers. He's looking for those that 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 are planters. He's looking for those that are waterers. Uh, he he's going to do the growing. He just needs people to be obedient and follow him in the process. And so um, that that's kind of the theme that I want to look at this morning. Uh, First Corinthians is kind of where we're gonna kind of where we're gonna stay this morning. Now, uh, when we talk about the Corinthians, they were not your ideal people. Uh, you don't build your church based off of the Corinthians. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely not. If uh, and you know there are some churches out there. I, I was looking the other day and. There's a Corinth Church of the Nazarene, a Corinth Baptist Church. And I'm like, why? Why would you even do that? There is a Corinth, Mississippi. So maybe that's where that comes from. Hopefully they're not taking a biblical name and trying to match it there. Um, You don't want to go to that church. Corinth, the the city of Corinth, it was was a wealthy city. And... um, it, it has uh, kind of two versions of history. It's got two sets of history. There's old Corinth, and then there's what would be considered New Corinth. And so you have old Corinth that would have been pre-Roman Empire, and and it was pretty it, w- it was pretty decent sized city at that point. They went and they they uh, they had a, a trade going on. Uh, Corinth is is right on a uh, kind of a peninsula and an isthmus, An isthmus is like that little piece of you got land here, you got land here and then you got water here, and so they were jet out just a little bit into the isthmus and 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 one of the one of the things that that uh, uh, was was beneficial for them is that people that wanted to go to Greece uh, instead of having to travel all the way around Africa and all the way around and 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 take this big long route. They they were more likely to go through the isthmus, go through just kind of cut across there, and and what uh, was beneficial for Corinth is that here they were uh, right there in the middle of it, so they were in between the one one sea and then the sea of Corinth. How conveniently named, um, and it was a it was this port that that merchants would would come and and they would trade. Well, old Corinth ended up getting, uh, Rome came in, destroyed them. And then later on, Rome decided that, hey, that's a pretty good piece of property there. Let's build a city there again, um, which does not make a bit of sense, does it? And so they, they go and they build uh, Corinth back, and that's what's considered new Corinth. And and it's a, it's this port city, and it's... Uh, because of its wealthiness, uh, many of people in and, and different areas decided that, that uh, in order to become uh, wealthy themselves, it was good for them to travel to Corinth and, and set up shop in Corinth and, and become residents of Corinth. And so now Corinth is a Roman city. That you got people coming in from uh, Oriental areas, you got people coming in from Rome, you got the Greeks coming in, you got the Jewish people coming in, and so Corinth is just kind of this mixture of ethnicities at this point, and 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 we're told that there's even enough Jewish people there in the city of Corinth that they have a synagogue. Now, that's a pretty big thing, because remember, in the early days of the church, um, the church There's not really a physical building that the church is meeting in. It's usually they're going into the synagogue and they're preaching in the synagogue about Jesus, um, which does not always bode well for them, um, uh, preaching Jesus in the synagogue. Uh, So so we do know that there was a synagogue there. Uh, One thing that we have to know about Corinth is that they were considered the capital of immorality. Any immorality you can think of Happened in Corinth, and and uh, morality that you couldn't even process in your mind was happening there too. That's how bad it was. Uh, sexual immorality was a big thing there, uh, and it was part of their culture. Um, and And it was so much part of their culture that they had set up this temple on top of a hill uh, to uh, this uh, this goddess um, named Diana, and she was the goddess of sex and fertility and uh that and they worshipped her and and uh in in Corinth, that was part of the the cultural worship uh but also uh temple prostitution was a big thing as well in that area and then uh so we've got mora- immorality set up different places you can tell the immorality is is abound there and and so you, you've got that, and then over here, you've got idol worship. Uh, So, if they could, if they could sacrifice the idols, and if they could set up, and and if they could uh, worship idols, they were going to worship idols. Now, if you read a little bit into uh, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, we got a 2nd Corinthians because the Corinthians couldn't get it right the first time, so Paul had to write them a second time. Uh, So, uh, uh, if you read a little bit into First and Second Corinthians, you find that one of the big things that was an issue for the Corinthians was that um, the sacrificing of the meat. If we go into somebody's house, do we eat their meat? Because we don't know if it was sacrificed to an idol or if it wasn't sacrificed to an idol. Um, and, and so there was personal convictions at that point that that if it was sacrificed to an idol, that I myself was committing idolatry, by eating the meat sacrificed to that idol. And so Paul had to deal with that as well. Now, Paul, he's, he is very much well-known here in Corinth, especially to the church in Corinth. He planted the church in Corinth. He started it. He, he's the one who, who uh, was preaching in the synagogue. He was the one who got the groups of people together. He's the one that appointed the leader when he left and. And he kept in contact with them after he left as well. One thing that they found, though, was that in Corinth, the culture of the the area was slipping into the culture of the church. The culture of the area was slipping into the culture of the church. And, and so what that means is that Paul would have to go in uh, or go and write them at one point. And uh, um, you, you, can, you can read a little bit about that in chapter 5 and chapter 6, chapter 7. He kind of deals with some stuff there that was slipping into the church. And he has to say, no, 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 that's, that's not how this works. That is immorality based off of culture. And, and, and you have come to a new life in Jesus. And, and because you found this new life in Jesus, there's some things that you don't do anymore. There's some immorality that you have to put off. And, and because Corinth was, was uh, this, uh, this uh, the, the church was basically Gentiles. It was mainly Gentiles that had been converted. They were not used to some things such as uh, morality-based relationships, and they were not used to monogamous marriage. So Paul has to tell them, oh no, you don't skip around town with women. You don't skip around town with men. That's not how this works. There's morality that happens here. When When you find Jesus some things change one thing that we we find in the in the passage is um uh, there's there's kind of kind of two different things i want to talk about today or one i'm just going to talk about one thing that's what i'm going to do um i don't know what i'm going to talk about we'll just get there when we get there i guess when it comes to discipleship the passage here Really points out this view of discipleship to us. I, Paul, planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and God made it grow. Now, why is discipleship so important to a church that is dealing with immorality. It really comes down to this: is that is that uh, discipleship really, really? Uh, if we were to define discipleship, it is the act of becoming a disciple and being a disciple maker. It's two parts there. And it's this growing in knowledge and growing in grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and so uh, it, it's basically uh, discipleship is the the head knowledge part. A lot of times that leads to the heart knowledge part uh, that that leads to to change in our lives. Uh, we it's a, it's sometimes a discipleship issue. We say sometimes we say uh like, like we've had we've had uh, uh let me look around here. We've had teenagers um, before in in teen group that uh, have come in and and um, sometimes they they don't have the most appropriate attire on, and we have to say, um, you know, this is what the word says about modesty. It's a discipleship issue. It's not necessarily a heart issue. It's a discipleship issue. Um, th- th- there's there's as we as we grow. Uh, We we find that everybody is in a different place in their walk with Jesus. And that's why discipleship is so important. How do you know what the Word says without discipleship? How do you know what the standards that God has placed on your life are without discipleship? How, How are you supposed to grow and go deeper without discipleship? Many, many years ago in the church, we, we had this program called Each One Win One. And uh, it was this discipleship program that, that basically was kind of a discipleship and evangelism put together. And, it, and the thought was is that um, you were being discipled by someone. And while you were being discipled, you were discipling someone else. And so the thought was is that, is that everyone is trying to win someone else to Jesus while they're being discipled. And I think it was a a great program I absolutely think it was a great program. What we find here is is that uh paul he says, "I fed you milk now this is the basics of the gospel we we used to use um these uh uh there's a Evangelist in the Church of Nazarene, his name is Chick Schaefer. He developed these Bible studies called the Basic Bible Studies. And it basically goes through and it tells us these basic things that uh, Jesus died for you, Jesus rose for you, Jesus uh, came to forgive you of sins, and, and Jesus is coming again for you. That's the basics of the gospel there. That's, the, that's kind of the bare minimum of... Jesus, who Jesus is, he's, he, he loved you so much that he died for you. He rose again for you. He forgives you of your sins. He can forgive you of your sins. And he's coming again for you. Bare basics there. And, and that's kind of the milk of the gospel there. And, and a lot of times in discipleship, um, uh, we, we see that the, uh, we're spoon-feeding in the basics, if you've been a Sunday school teacher or maybe you remember a Sunday school teacher uh, that uh, that 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 would go through and just kind of explain things very gently to you or maybe not so gently at times. There's some of those Sunday school teachers too that maybe not so gently where or sometimes we had this um we had a foster baby um We were told for months that we were going to be able to adopt, and then we weren't. They lied to us. 11 months in, told us, oh no, we're wrong, lost paperwork, it's not going to happen. So uh, here's this baby. We had him for, uh, since he was three days old, you would go to feed him, and he would close his mouth. He would. Now, that food was nasty. I understand why he was doing that. It was absolutely nasty. I tasted it, just to be sure. Nasty. Um, And I sometimes think that discipleship is, when we're spoon-feeding, I I fed them milk. Sometimes it's spoon-fed easily. And then sometimes we need to say, you know, this is good for you. You're going to need this. It kind of takes a little bit of prodding. The gospel's good for you. I know you don't want to give that up, but you know that's what Jesus wants. It's kind of where you force the 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 spoon Someone is giving it to you, that, and, and that's really the the type of discipleship that we've gotten used to. And a lot of times in the churches, is this kind of a spoon fed uh, discipleship. We see it often in uh, Sunday school. We see it often in 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 uh, different small groups. Uh, um, but you know, at some point uh, in in our walk with Jesus, we have to pick up the fork and we have to eat for ourselves. And and Paul here he says he says I. Uh, um, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. But there comes a time in the life of the believer where it, it is then time for solid food. It is then time for something deeper. It's time for just beyond the basics. Who is Jesus to me? We know the standards of Jesus, but who is he to me? How is he working in my life? How is he revealing himself to the world? What? Uh, um, how, how do I go about, and I proclaim the gospel to others as well? Uh, We have to take the fork and we have to feed ourselves, uh, 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 pick up the fork and feed ourselves at some point. And and spiritual maturity will always have discipleship outside of Sunday and Wednesday. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that you're meeting with a group somewhere outside of Sunday, Wednesday? No, that's not what that means. What that means, and if you are, please let us know because Miss, Miss Rita can count that in our Sunday school numbers. That's a joke. That's a joke. It means that, that uh, we, we've, uh, we get the Word and we read the Word ourselves and, and we study the Word ourselves and we dive in deeper and we say, Lord, what, what truth do you want me to know from your Word? And Lord, how, how, um, what, what do you want me to know from this text? And, and, and Lord, uh, how can this relate to my life? And you, you study and you dive deeper. it's uh, uh, Spiritual maturity uh, always dives deeper into the Word. My, I have a friend his name is Prentice Evans. He's the uh pastor at uh, Albany United Church of the Nazarene and Prentice is very blunt. Um <laughs> he's blunt to the point where um he, he's just blunt. But he uh, he told me one time we were talking about youth ministry stuff and and kind of kind of uh talking about how the Lord was moving among youth in in a uh, teen uh camp that we were at. And he said, he, he told me this, and I haven't forgotten this. He said, he said, you know, a lot of times we water down the gospel to the point for teens and youth. And they're just so used to having this watered down gospel. And so when, when we don't water down the gospel, when we give them some meat, when they're so used to having the, the milk, when we finally give them the meat... that one either overwhelms them or two they just they just dive right in. And so what we were finding at that revival or at that that camp was that kids were were coming to know Jesus and 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 they were getting set free from stuff and 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 it was a great thing. But he said this, he said these kids here have heard enough about the love of Jesus to save all of China. He said, what they need is they need to hear the fullness of the gospel. And that is that Jesus loves you. He died for you. But you know, you've got to choose him because there's a consequence if you don't. You know, discipleship sometimes has some hard stuff to it that we've got to, that we've got to uh embrace, that we've got to. Uh, recognize that that in discipleship, sometimes, sometimes my worldview and the worldview of Scripture comes up against each other, and what has to yield? It's time to dive deeper with Jesus. Don't settle for surface level Christianity. The, the second thing that uh, the passage points out to us is this, is that there's different, different people that, that help us on the journey. Uh, they were saying, I follow Paul. And others were saying, I follow Apollos. And, and Paul was saying, oh no, I, I planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed, but God is making it grow. And I got to think, every phase of my life, every chapter of life, there's always been someone that has helped me grow in my relationship with Jesus. Uh when I was younger, I had a Sunday school teacher. Her name was Linda Liggett. Um, I, I remember her, uh, we would, we would uh um we had a small Sunday school class, and, and she was just she's a great Sunday school teacher. I remember doing acts, quizzing, Bible study, Bible quizzing material in in her class and and it was uh he, she just helped me to uh, uh to to kind of know that this is this is how we do certain christian principles here this is how we pray this is how we read the word and then I remember as a teen, I remember a lady named Linda willingham. she was our youth pastor. And then in college, I had, uh, there, was, there was three men. There was uh, Tom Lormer and Steve Bagby and, and David Street. And when we talk about people who sometimes can stand up against us and say, Hey, you got a problem. Mr. Street was one of those people. I, I think I've told some of you about him. We butt heads all the time. But, you know, he helped me grow. Early ministry, there was three pastors, Adam Lewis and Steve Cecil and Jim Norman. Adam Lewis wrote this dissertation called The Importance of the Short Sermon. You can thank him. He's on Facebook. Kind of helped me process through some things in early ministry that Bible, uh, Bible College did not prepare me for. Others would be Brian Powell, Dr. Brian Powell, and Michael Perkins, two friends that kind of say sometimes they'll be like, hey, brother, have you thought about it this way? Kind of challenge your perspective at times. God can sometimes put people in our lives to help us grow. And if he's doing that for you, if he's putting you in someone's life to help someone else on their journey, just know that you may not be able to see the full effects of it right now or in 10 years or in 15 years or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. But it could have an eternal impact on their lives. I planted, Apollos watered, God made it grow. It's his harvest. You know, he he his desire is for people to grow. The goal was to grow in Christ. It doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter when. Now, now would be preferably. Growing Christ now. that It doesn't matter the method. And you know, it doesn't really matter the denomination. I'm very loyal to the Church of the Nazarene. I love the Church of the Nazarene. But here's what I've come to find is that when people get saved at Greensburg Baptist, you know, we win too. That when people get saved at the uh, Methodist church down the road here, Hodges Chapel, we win too. When people get saved, and we looked up how many churches were in Somersville, and them churches are hidden. They've hidden churches all throughout Somersville. They just hide them like, like right in the middle of a dirt road somewhere. church right there. But you know, if they win, we win too. Because it's all about seeing people come to know Jesus and seeing them grow in Jesus. We're on the same team. We interpret things a little bit differently, but we all follow Jesus. The harvest is the Lord, He's the one that makes it grow. You've got personal responsibility and collective responsibility. And that my challenge to you is what can you do this week to be a better disciple? And what can you do to be a better disciple maker to those around you?